All right, welcome to the TylerBloyer.com live streaming show here on Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Today we're going to have a very special show for you with a special guest I have on. My friend Chris McMillan of TruthConduit.com is going to be joining us. Uh, but first, let me just announce a couple things. Today I'm live streaming uh, new on my page and slavery on Facebook just as a test. So if you want to, you can go over to my Facebook page, End Slavery, and see this streaming live. Typically, I stream to my personal page on there, but I took advantage of some Cyber Monday deals and upgraded some software here and uh, was able to get a good deal on an, the ability to now stream to multiple places. So a little bit of some testing of some new technology today as well as possibly some new visitors and new audiences that can see the live streaming show. So that's exciting. And uh, again, this is a live show. We're doing it live. Doing it live. Do it live. And uh, maybe maybe later when we get more comfortable, we'll start saying the full quote from Bill O'Reilly there. We'll have like a audio clip that we can slide in. But Again, there's going to be technical difficulties. I streamed yesterday. There were some audio problems sharing the videos that I shared, but it was good enough that we're going to go with it. And uh, we learn as we go. And that's how this production has gotten to this point, even uh, with the ability to stream out live and do live interviews. That's been a large goal uh, behind what I've started uh, with the content production is to be able to get on live with somebody and have a live conversation, as well as have uh, other visitors join the conversation if if they're able, and today we're gonna to be talking about that a little bit, uh, that I've shared this meeting also with some people in a group that Chris and I are part of called Autonomy. We're definitely gonna talk about that. Um, if somebody does join from Autonomy, let's just try to keep it uh, muted for just a moment while we get through the introduction and a couple questions for Chris. And then at that point, Chris and I are fine with anybody wanting to jump in. And chime in and add to the conversation. So just like uh, anything we do in autonomy, anyone is welcome in that group. who has got a mic and a good camera, hopefully, too. We'll get started here. Again, you can catch the show live on tylerbloyer.com slash live. There's also a Discord server set up. I have my audio pumping into that server now. You can also join the show live from there and listen to the show on Discord and even chime in if the technical gods allow it on this day. Because <laughs> there, always, there always could be a problem with that. It hasn't been fully tested yet live on a show, somebody hopping in the Discord server, but that infrastructure is there. And uh, again, you can also see this on YouTube and Facebook, streaming live. And uh, I'm going to get into it pretty quick today. We got uh, Chris McMillan standing by patiently. Um, any other guests that have joined, please mute your mics. I get to that well, but there's some background noise. Uh, Chris, why don't you hop on and say hello while I take care of that? Hello, everybody. Tyler, I have a whole new respect for your uh, tech abilities because advancing as quickly as they are. When I tried to follow the video that you did with, uh, with Joshua Hale, on how to apply the lower third. You know, I thought, well, this should be easy, 20 minute video. And after about 10 minutes in, I thought this is gonna take a whole new skill level. So I had to put it on the back burner. And I thought, man, what these guys are doing, the progress that they're making in the autonomy class is, uh, is commendable, definitely. So I appreciate you 
have yeah, I appreciate you inviting me to have a talk today. Um, you know, I'm an autonomy season one graduate. Um, I it was a year ago now. Uh, a bit, yeah, what, we're November, so it was just something in the back of everyone's mind. Everyone kind of knew. Hold on, something's going to be starting soon. This autonomy class. I think I had just signed up maybe about this time last year. I can't remember and. A year on now, 12 months full on, it's uh, unbelievable the progress that's been made in just 12 months. Um, I would have never have imagined having my own little gig and having met all the people that I've met in the past 12 months. It would have blown my mind if I'd been able to see myself a year today, a year ago. So I'm really happy about all the skills that I'm still developing and the people I'm meeting. Um, with my website, truthconduit.com, I've recently, in fact, in the past few weeks, I've really been aggressively trying to improve on it and working out technical details. It's all about website building and video editing and all of the above. Copywriting comes into effect. Um, I'm happy with the way things are going at the moment. Um, what do you think of, of, uh, my my website from a technical point of view tyler um artistic point of view anything any feedback you can give me on it so far um well i like the logo and i like the layout of of the landing page and i like how you highlight autonomy and your journey and autonomy on the page i think just like any other project uh over time it's going to get better and uh you can modify things as you go. I think the great thing that you've done here is get started. And uh, in autonomy, you know, massive action is not necessarily always the answer, but I think you've really kind of taken on board, you know, getting uh, feet on the ground and getting started and not just kind of contemplating, but you're doing that, but plus action. And so the fact that you haven't had this site up that long and uh, that you have the amount of content on it that you do is pretty amazing because if you go to look at my website, I'm very periodical in my production, so I don't have a massive amount of content even though I've had websites up and operating for uh, probably six or seven years kind of doing work like this. Um, I've only kind of trickled things out, and so you've done a great job of giving yourself a, a landing or a starting point, a great platform to launch off of from here. And so I wouldn't really be too worried about, you know, those questions that you asked me at this point in the game, although someone else might have the complete opposite opinion and say you should really focus on, you know, your call to action and um, focus on, on providing a lead magnet and uh, getting people's email. Um, about the only thing I ask for on my website is an email from people. I think that that's a really good long-term way to stay in touch with people. I have emails that I've kept for for over a decade now, right? I think everybody has a Gmail at this point, even though even though we all you know love the gulag so much that we just want to stay in it. You know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the fact that you have an alternative platform out there for people to go look at alternative information is a great start. I think, like you said, so. The most important thing for me is to provide um, a way for the, the people that I talk to. They need to be heard. And that's really all that matters is to get what they have to say out there. Um, now, 
and then the rest of the details will just follow. For me, the most important thing are thing two things are to get get the interview done. Um, so anyone who comes to the site will say, "Who's this person?" and have lots of relevant links. Um, so I go through it. I my approach is because I remember when I was going through the pr painful process of realizing that things are not what they seem, the waking up process, when I realized things yeah, that I've been duped, you know, <laughs> I've been processed like a, like a can of sardines and I'm still, it's going to take me the rest of my life to unlearn everything that's been programmed into me and bit by bit I'm doing it. But when I was going through that process in the early days and I really started to aggressively and just take everything in all this new information. It was like, it was like being reborn. It was like waking up again. So the idea of my website is I go through it from the eyes of someone who's genuinely curious about these topics. So they go in, they listen to what the person has to say or not go straight to the links, look at all the links and follow those links and do their own research, do their own research. And hopefully it'll lead to somebody making a better decision in their lives and because i think each and every person that i have spoken to has got a very very important message um and the work that everybody i speak to very, very important to say sometimes i mean we're talking life or death it, you know it, it may seem a bit extreme but there are people out there being duped every day being processed and they don't understand they can't pinpoint the problem well here in the quote-unquote alternative media, we are pinpointing the problem by using logic and critical thinking and breaking down, you know, identifying the fallacies, eliminating the contradictions, and working together to see what's left. And it's true in the alternative media as well. I mean, there's a lot of BS out there. So at the end of the day, critical thinking is the most important thing. So... Yeah, I mean, everybody I've spoken to, I think, has got an important message. And also, I'm, one thing I'm, I must say I'm happy with is the variety of topics that are covered. Um, there's no, I don't specify in any particular aspect other than the people I speak to understand that, well, they love freedom. <laughs> That's basically, and they understand that there's a war against, a real war against freedom in ways that people cannot imagine going on. That's what, that's the common thread that everybody I speak to has got. So if they're, if, you know, if they get onto my radar and I realize, hold on, this person, they know what's going on. They've taken the metaphorical red pill. I want to talk to them. Um, so the important thing is all the tech issues and the, the beauty, you know, the, the design of the website and all that, it's very important, but it's just a, a side gig. Um, the important thing is get the message out there. So, right. yeah, <laughs> I met, I met you recently at red pill and I, I really liked your, your energy that you bring to the table and uh, working with you was a pleasure. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit here, but I also, you know, wanted to get a little bit of a background on truth conduit, Chris McMillan. I've gotten a little bit here and there on your uh, travels or not, I mean, just travels, but living in different parts of the world. So you're living in Texas now, but that's not uh, where you've been always. And can you give us kind of a history, you know, doesn't have to go all the way back, but as far back as you'd like to go to give us uh, some context? It's um, sometimes it's hard for me to talk about it because um, I miss 
Spain so much. I, I truly love that culture and that country with all my soul. Um, I left tech. I went, I was processed. I went to high school. I was a good kid. I made good grades, which basically I realize now just means I was good at following orders. Same in college, went to college and, um, got my useless degree that I have never used in my life. Um, 1997, I graduated from Texas A&M commerce and that was it. I got on a plane. I knew, I just knew I wanted to get out. I knew, I always knew I wanted to go abroad. So I went to Spain um, when I was 23. I had a backpack and I'm not talking about these big backpacks that backpackers wear around Europe. I'm talking the kind of backpack that you would wear to class. <laughs> and that is all I had. I didn't have a suitcase, nothing. I had about $500, which I thought was a lot of money. Um, and I landed in Madrid and that was it. I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay here. And I had a return ticket three months later. And um, <laughs> I thought $500. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, all I knew is I had to get out. It was time for me to actually start living my life. And, you know, I spent 23 years doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it was, it was good times. Don't get me wrong. Um, great friends, um, good times. I mean, it's not a bad life here in Texas. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to Spain and ended up, um, I was illegal. I was an illegal immigrant for three years. I was the, I always um, con consider, I always uh, compare myself to the Invisible Man. There's a novel out there by a man named Ralph Waldo Emerson. Not, don't be confused with the poet Ralph Waldo Ellison. Mm. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote a book called The Invisible Man, and it was about a man in Harlem. And it's a heavy, hard-hitting novel. And during the um, 1930s, I believe. But anyway, he's a guy in the big city, and he's invisible for many reasons. And I always felt like a bit like him. He, I was the invisible man for three years. And I didn't realize it at the time. But those were those first three years before I did finally get the paperwork. I got legal. Um, I got my identification. And at the time, I was quite proud of it. Oh, I got my ID, Spanish ID. And hindsight now i've come to realize years later after i took the metaphorical metaphorical red pill and started to realize i look back at those years in hindsight and i do have a you know hindsight's 2020 those were the freest years not only that i lived but anybody could possibly live in that situation i didn't exist i didn't have a bank account i didn't have a credit card everything was cash um i didn't sign any contract where i was living um, I'm kind of starting to write a book. I'm writing a book about it, trying to put it all in perspective and also um, reflecting on the way I was, the way I went about things. Um, I was so naive and ignorant. And there were a lot of things that happened during those three years. And one of them was I literally went three years without watching any kind of TV or any kind of screen at all. Nothing. And that was kind of a cleansing for me, although I didn't realize it at the time. There was no internet. I had no cell phone. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could go on that those first three years were um, 
stories always go back to those first three years. And then once I did get my paperwork and, you know, doors did, it did open up opportunities um, for work and every year got better. I got more jobs, more contacts. Um, I was teaching English mainly um, and, you know, with experience um, and I didn't need a degree. Nobody ever asked me for my degree when I first got there. Okay. This was a stroke of luck. They were just interested. um, You're a native speaker. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> I got a, they were, you know, when you went to get a look for a job in Madrid back then, the first question what they would ask is, when are you available? They weren't, as, they weren't interested in your qualifications. That came second. Can you fill in this class, that class? But um, time went on. I gained experience. And in the end, I ended up staying in Spain for 18 years. And I came back just to Texas four years ago now, just over four years ago. And with my wife and two kids. And, um, that's, you know, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Um, I was always, I always considered myself to be very left wing. I always was took pride in the fact that, you know, I thought socialism was cool and how could you possibly be anything else? And yeah, my, the path, in fact, I can kind of relate to, um, uh, Carrie Wedler. I don't know if you know her. She's a big name in the alternative media. She does these short video clips, and she quite often talks about how she was an Obama supporter. And I remember when Obama got voted the first time, we threw an Obama party. And when I say I'm not left wing, I don't want people to think that I'm right wing either. There's something else. There's something so much better that is where, where literally we are kept from. That is intentionally kept out of the public education system. That we're not taught about these things, these ideas of true freedom. Um, so even since I've moved back from t- to Texas and have really started aggressively taking on the lessons that are learned by John Taylor Gatto and the lessons learned by, um, the things that can be learned from G Edward Griffin and about the federal reserve system and from John Taylor, Taylor Gatto, the history, the true history of education and its true intent and everything that Richard um, puts together Richard and Lisa put together in the Peace Revolution podcast. Combine that with the work of James Corbett. He hits it hard. He tells it like it is, and he's a major influence on anyone in the alternative media. Open source. Don't believe me. Do your own research. I mean, how can you argue with that? Don't believe me. Here are the links. Here are the sources. Look it up for yourself. I mean. That's where you you can't get and yeah maybe people do look it up for themselves and will present an argument. I don't know. Um, I've been meaning to ask him. You know, has he ever been proven wrong? I've thought about. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm sure he would welcome it and like anyone and you, take it as a chance to learn. And that is the attitude going forward that we take on in autonomy and with our alternative websites. And it's just a growing process. I think my point going back a bit further is. You know, I was a bit smug. I thought, ah, you know, you know, I, um, you know, if you if you're not, if you're uh, if you're not uh, left wing, then you know, you, then you support George Bush, or even worse, uh, you support in, living in Spain. If you weren't left wing, then you were a Franco. You supported the dictator Franco. You know, and for me, that that's what I actually thought it meant. You know, because I didn't know history, I didn't know anything, I didn't realize what it meant that both the right and the left wing, um, at the end of the day, they're not about freedom, not about freedom at all. 
and there's so many heavier lessons that are going on that I've learned since moving back to Texas and really taking on the ideas really that are proposed in autonomy and tragedy and hope and these websites. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. I, I can't believe, you know, the perspective that, that I can imagine that I would gain by, uh, living outside of the United States. I think I, you know, I was lucky enough to transplant outside of the state where I grew up and live somewhere else in the U.S., you know, for another uh, period of time and then come back to where where I grew up. So similar to you, but not as long of a time. And I didn't travel to a different country, so I don't know, you know, what that would be like. I know that just moving outside of the city I grew up in and the place that I grew up in, and it was like leaving the bubble. And so yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why you're the man, you know, because you had <laughs> this awesome journey and that this perspective that was gained through all that. I mean, and you, you obviously met your wife along that journey. So, uh, one of know, the strangest being- sensations anyone could ever feel, and this is this is what it feels like, or I'm, I'm getting reaccustomed now, is moving back to the place you're from. And it feels like a completely foreign country. It, it really is a strange sensation. You recognize everything. You know how things work. You know the system. But you see it. You see things you've never noticed before. Um, it is a strange sensation. But having said that, um, having said that, having lived abroad for so long, now I appreciate the things about where I'm from more than I ever would have come to appreciate had I not moved abroad for so long, things that people here take for granted every day. Um, the biggest one, the biggest example I hear is um, people. I'm from a small town of 2,000 people. It's called Caddo Mills, Caddo Mills, Texas. And I bump into old school friends I see here and there, and they've never really left Caddo, and they feel ashamed of that. There's this shame. Oh, I wish I'd done what you did. Um, what I did is not for everybody, for, first of all, but there's this stigma about the town. But I, I don't know. There are amazing things about every culture. And the people, and, and the people who, who uh, don't move around so much, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they, I think they're a bit too hard on where they're, sometimes I think they're a bit too hard where they're from. And at the same time, on the other extreme, um, there's a bit too much pride going on around <laughs> around where one is from as well. So it goes, it's either, sometimes I see it on both extremes, um, especially in Spain, my goodness, everyone from whatever zone they are, whatever region, from whatever Pueblo, that Pueblo is the greatest place in the world, <laughs> guaranteed. But, you know, I mean, yeah, lessons learned. But uh, I really, um, living now, I appreciate the things the good things. I know what to appreciate. It's all about recognizing, identifying the advantages and disadvantages of when you go from place to place. And the more you travel, the more you come to recognize that. And recognition, you know it, and just go from there. Someone, uh, There's someone else on this call that I know lives uh, maybe in another country and willing to discuss that. And uh, you guys at this point, you know, feel free. I see a couple other people joined us to jump in if you have a question for Chris. Um, but Michael, I know you yourself live uh, in another country and uh, me and my family are coming up in at the end of the year, are going to travel to Mexico for a couple week kind of dry run, test run uh, 
in order to kind of make a checklist and test things out for longer period uh, travel. So uh, what are your thoughts on what Chris was just talking about? And uh, number one, thank you for letting me uh, join in on this conversation. I'm, I'm already you know, blown away just uh, hearing Chris's story. Um, you know, I have much respect to you, Chris, for, you know, for, uh, you know, taking that risk and doing what you did. And, and Spain is something I, I had the opportunity to visit when I was in the military. And I, I, uh, I spent a few weeks there and absolutely loved the place. I, I, it's so much different than the rest of Europe that uh, I just... Spain is definitely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, in that respect, uh, you know, uh, I have a great deal of respect and I, I can certainly understand why, why you have such a hard time leaving it. And, uh, you know, but yeah, we, we came to, back, um, uh, we made the decision to come back cause it was my, you know, my parents are getting on up there and it was a combination of reasons at the end of the day, we, we wanted to, you know, we, we just wanted to see what, uh, what, what would happen. You know, we wanted to see what we could do in the States. Um, we loved Spain. We left with Spain a lot of, definitely different. but there were a lot of signs in Spain going on that we said, well, it's time for us to leave. And actually that was the second time we left Spain when we moved to Texas. We had left before for about three years. Um, we were at a critical point in our lives. What are we doing with our lives? So we went to the UK for three years and it was good times there, but, um, that was when we realized what a good deal we had in Spain. So we moved back. Um, but yeah, we moved back to Texas and it's great being back on the land where I grew up and looking after my parents and my parents have their grandparents here. So we're all here and that's really um, what we had to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure being in Spain, that's one of the things that uh, I love about Mexico, too, is, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, interconnection of the family is certainly something that's much more of importance. And I think in a lot of the modern world is the family has taken, a, you know, a, a real decline in regard to the priorities of people. That's, that's a very good point um, because that was something, again, in all everything that I've just mentioned before, the whole waking up process, I'd never really thought about the war against families. And, and yet there is one. There is, rest assured, there is a war against families. It's been going on for a long time. I didn't see it until, again, one of the many facets of taking the metaphorical red pill is you start to see it. And that's why you know, I think it's more important than ever to keep the families together. Um, I love uh, Tristan Haggard and Rebecca's slogan on their website at uh, primaledgehealth.com. <laughs> um, eat meat, make families. I thought that is the most, that's the biggest middle finger to the powers that shouldn't be right there. <laughs> and I thought that's brilliant. Tell us a little bit about that, Chris, with your interview with Tristan. Um, for those of the, my audience or people watching this that aren't familiar with Primal Edge Health and uh, what he talks about over there. Can you, can you discuss that a little bit for us? Well, um, Tristan's story is very interesting because he was a vegan. Um, he, and he went full circle. He went from being a vegan to full-blown carnivore. So he found that was the best path for him. It was the healthiest, and there's a lot of science behind it, a lot of history. He dropped a lot of links in my interview with him 
a lot of historical references. Um, I didn't have time. I wanted to get, I wanted, and we might meet again, hopefully in the near future, tie it into what's happening today. There's a lot of strange things happening today around eating meat, as anyone who turns on the news can see. Um, but the ketogenic diet, um, if anyone who doesn't know, I, um, you know, it, it cuts out all carbs. It's mainly animal fat and a bit of vegetables, basically. And then the full-blown carniv carnivorous diet is nothing but animal fat-based diet. Um, I've been on the ketogenic diet for some time now, although I admit the last few weeks we were, you know, we were traveling and yeah, I went off keto. <laughs> there was a few times it was hard, but I have felt better than ever. Um, and we were, you know, going 10 years back, we've always been organic, non-GMO. And we thought that's it. Just, you know, eat organic, don't eat GMOs. And, you know, that's it. Eat what, what, pretty much. And then common sense, avoid junk food, junk sugar, fast food, et cetera, et cetera. Give up the sodas, of course. But um, I don't know. The ketogenic diet, I think there's something to that. And their website, they have a cookbook. Um, I really would like to get it pretty soon. Um, I don't think I'm hardcore enough yet to really go into fancy recipes or anything, but um, what they do is very interesting. And I also find them interesting because they live abroad like I did and they're doing it. You know, they're living the dream. They've got their website, everything that we study in autonomy of how to um, build a successful website. Um, they're doing it. And so I think their, their work is definitely worth checking out for anyone who wants to improve their health because I don't know to each their own. Everybody has different diets. Um, and my wife and I, we've experimented with different diets. Health is so important. Um, what works for some people doesn't work for others, but the carnivore diet was never even on my radar until, <laughs> until I met Jordan in autonomy. And then apparently everyone knew about it except me. I'm like, what, what is this? Yeah. Um, kind of amazing. A lot of people have, yeah, a lot of people have gotten rid of a lot of their health issues by trying this diet. Again, I'm not, I don't know. There's something to it. There's so much information out there. Yeah. I, I like Tristan's interviews with Michaela Peterson. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge on Jordan Peterson, but, but he would look at the Jungian archetypes of your food diet. No, just kidding. But Jordan Peterson's <laughs> daughter, Michaela Peterson. That was, that was pretty bad. I'll have to maybe try to recover from that later or just call that a bad one. Hey, if we're getting silly, uh, I can pull out my lightsaber. I got it right here. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, <laughs> glad you kept your shirt on for the interview. You yeah, know, we yeah. that beforehand. And uh, no, but his interviews with Michaela are worth watching. She had all kinds of health issues and uh, uh, autoimmune disorders and different things that she had going on. And just eating steaks is what she eventually went on an elimination diet to greens and uh, ribeyes. And now I don't know if she's still doing that exactly, but she ate just ribeyes for the longest time. And uh, I did buy the carnivore cookbook for my wife. Uh, she She's digging it. She's made some things out of that cookbook. And I think Tristan would be a, a good guest to have on uh, this show. So, uh, Thanks for bringing him back up into my mind. When you first mentioned him, I'm like, I heard that name before and I didn't know. We purchased things from their website. We bought some chocolate from them. And uh, my, when my, my wife left it in a cabin that we stayed at in the mountains. So she tried like one bite of the chocolate and then left it there. But um, there was something else I was going to mention with the Tristan Haggard. 
and uh, his work, but I, I can't recall exactly. But no well, problem. So, he does, you know, he does the boiler room. Um, he joins the the that show on Thursdays. And Tim Flynn brought me onto that show, and I appreciate that, Tim. Yeah, I really like. Uh, they okay. do modern events. They cover current events about things going on, and he joins them along with Jay Dyer and Aaron and Melissa Dykes get on there as well. Um, yeah, I totally dig the boiler room. Um, not that I agree every, with everybody's opinion on the show, but it's just an interesting format. Uh, you know, this show could sort of turn into that format one day. Um, you know, I've been envisioned that, that on maybe a night like tonight, Monday nights, we come on and do a round table with people. But I remembered what I was going to say was that my wife, you know, she ended up bedridden with inflammation, um, pain in the arms and the legs and the gut, and uh, then just really sore to the point where she was bedridden. She was breastfeeding our two uh, babies at that time. And so we had to like fix this problem. Like we couldn't, you know, have, have mom be down and out. So we started her, um, her uh, son's grandmother. Uh, that's probably the wrong way to phrase that relationship. But she mentioned the GAPS diet and said, you need to look into the GAPS diet. So we looked into it and basically to start off the GAPS protocol, I think there's a long period of fasting, but that's followed by just bone broth. And so she started making the bone broth immediately. And I think, she, you know, because she couldn't afford to go on some long fast while she's sitting there uh, trying to breastfeed these two children. And so the GAPS diet actually goes in and uh, I, I won't be able to ex explain it exactly what it does, but there's gaps in the gut wall that uh, get caused by certain foods that you're eating. We found out oxalates was one of those foods that was causing a problem. And the, the GAPS diet, the bone broth, apparently the collagen and the fats and the other things help heal the gut. And now um, she can eat things that she couldn't eat before when she went through the GAPS diet and dairy is no problem anymore. So that actually healed a lot of problems. And then through that, she was doing like these spinach smoothies and then she had another issue. And we found out that like spinach, almonds, almond milk, all these things that she was like really eating a lot of have this thing in, the, in it called oxalates. And oxalates are like an anti-nutrient that actually your body has a very hard time with and it causes so it causes your stomach to kind of shut down so you don't absorb other nutrients either and so she was like only eating this stuff at one point and so we tied a lot of her issues to spinach and oxalates and these things are found in plants what, not where, else is where, where else do oxalates come from is it just spinach or what else there's, it's in a lot of things. So she, um, like potatoes, I believe, has oxalates. There's uh, almonds are re very heavy in oxalates. Kale has phytotoxins and oxalates. Um, so there's these things called anti-nutrients in the plants. Um, and not only that, but, you know, plants are just very fibrous. And uh, your stomach wall, when it's absorbing, you know, the nutrients or uh, the proteins or, you know, like I said, I'm not going to be able to use the proper terminology here, but you can just imagine how that some plants material may be a lot harder to derive the nutrients from, right? I think we could imagine that. Um, where these oxalates actually cause a problem. The anti-nutrients actually can cause inflammation or uh, leaky gut and cause other big problems once you have leaky gut. Um, so yeah, I mean, for us, animal fats and animal products and dairy, were not just like feeling better. It was make or break at one point, And, uh, the only solution that seemed to work was the GAPS diet. So, I mean, that's a little bit of testimonial. It's not science. It's not hard facts, but 
And how, how, um, is there anything that she doesn't eat now? You know what I mean? Is she back to normal? Um, we went out to eat there in Red Pool. I can't remember. What did she have? <laughs> I can't remember. She's basically carnivore diet and with no leg, um, nightshades and no, and we stay away from oxalates. Man, but no tomatoes? A lot of stuff. Yeah. But no nightshades. That oh, turns man. out to be another anti-gaps diet. Oh, that's hard, uh, man. No tomatoes, no potatoes. There's a video I'll put in the show notes about this that we both found uh, to be very helpful. You know what I miss uh, being on keto is rice because um, I love rice. But uh, I tell you what, I, I can, you know, I, since I started the keto, there's been a few times I've gone back and, you know, I, I've had a big bowl of rice last week and bam, food coma. You know, it just knocked me out. I, went, I, I just went to sleep basically. That hadn't happened in a long time. And I realized I didn't, you know, I didn't realize, um, yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm weary of the keto diet and I'm weary of going full carnivore. So I, I'm not strict necessarily, but yeah. I will say that when I'm mainly eating carnivore, I feel great. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, you know, I haven't done that over five, 10 years. I haven't done the long haul and been able to say that. So I know a lot of people, they change their diet and then they're like, I feel wonderful. And your body always does when you change things drastically. I mean, not always. Sometimes you might feel like horrible, right? Some diets like juicing diets or it's going to make you feel maybe very energetic and all these things. But I, I tried vegan, vegetarian diet for a while, uh, for a few years, actually. And that didn't, that didn't work out <laughs> for me yeah. personally. Yeah. It took my health in the opposite direction. And so, you know, that's personal experience. Again, you, you, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I didn't go in and take blood samples throughout the whole time. I'm not that detailed with that stuff. I'm just kind of more pay attention to how I feel and, and how I'm reacting to things. Yeah. Everybody's um, different. Uh, um, you know, every, everybody's different. The, um, the, the whole talk of diet and health is just one facet of, one aspect of autonomy that kind of goes on behind the scenes. You know, you've got the official things that we do talk about when it comes to life skills, business skills. Um, I mean, uh, communication skills, interviewing, um, public speaking, <laughs> what help me out here. Uh, editing, marketing, all that. Um, uh, I'm not going to help you out cause you're seasoned. <laughs> yeah. And then behind the scenes, you know, unofficially, you know, everybody also takes on these heavy topics. Anything that uh, improves one's life, we're talking about. You know? Pam, how you doing? Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Hola, Pam, como estas, amiga? Bien, bien, y tú, mi amigo de siempre. <laughs> So I met Pam in, we had a, last May, we had a Texas gathering of autonomy and that was great. Um, that was the first, it was kind of a prelude to the Red Pill Expo in Hartford, Connecticut. So during the final exam of final presentation of season one, there was a big group of us hanging out at Pam's house. Um, and that was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. When's the next party, Pam? I would definitely like to party, but uh, it's not even funny. So life has gotten away, and I've missed you, and I've missed my autonomizer friends. 
But I've got to say, I wanted to jump on this and say congratulations to you two guys doing this today. Um, I like the fact that Tyler's more into his, um, you know, more content. And yeah. I have got to say, I really appreciate you for getting out there so early and so often in season one and just trying it. It's like, hey, I don't care if there's no safety net. I'm going. I'm trying it. So, I didn't have a, um, I didn't have a choice. Um, I, I didn't have a choice. I got thrown into it. I literally got thrown into it. Um, you know, I, I, I spoke to Richard, uh, you know, I booked him and we did the interview and then I thought, um, you know, I'll see if James Corbett wants an interview and Corbett wrote back and I, I sent him an email and I didn't think I would hear back from him ever at all. I didn't expect to hear back from him. And literally, I'm not kidding, 10 minutes after I sent the email, my wife goes, um, he's just written back. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, up your game and do or die. And that was it. And after I got Corbett on video, um, you know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just so, thought that was so neat. And it was really cool to see how you were developing as an interviewer. And um, I just um, am thankful, truly for everybody kind of really upping my game. Um, and just when you're around a culture of excellence, it brings out the excellence that you have inside that maybe has been dampened by life in general and also in specific um, our toxic culture that you know we have shoved down our throats. And choosing not to partake in that and choosing to partake in things that are really important, <laughs> such as yeah. family, community, autonomy, which is to me a community, even though it's online. Um, it's really, really wonderful. And to see how many people are just growing and blossoming and expanding their areas of influence. And that's really how anything ever gets done in life is for people to be within their authentic selves and to be able to share and to be truthful and to help others along the way. So um, I say more power to y'all. Cool. Thanks a lot, Pam. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you for chiming in and uh, joining us and not being scared to just jump in. Um, this is jump going out live on uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook on my personal platforms. So just FYI, everybody that's uh, jumping in, you know, just to make it obvious, I wasn't sure if that was clear. Um, but, you know, bringing up autonomy, I wanted to share a video here. It's a short one. And the people on the Zoom call, all you're going to do is hear this. Hopefully that works anyway. <laughs> you won't see it. And uh, it's not that I can't just share my screen. It's just the way that this all flows. It's much easier the way that it is. You can also monitor things on YouTube or something like that. But, uh, you know, you'll hear this audio, hopefully. I'm just going to jump into a clip from Chris here talking about autonomy. The, the most important thing is the library of knowledge that's being collected here. Um, my kids are really picking it up as well. Um, the, for example, uh, the introduction of Robert Kiyosaki, I'd never heard of him before autonomy and now my son plays his game regularly <laughs> he's got cash flow he's got the physical board game and he's got it online and he's going to know more about investing assets and and liabilities than i will for example 
um, not to mention all the literature, everything I'm learning in the back of my mind is ultimately for them. You know, I'm hoping that everything will, they will eventually take interest and pick up. I tell them everything that's going on in autonomy is probably some of the most important lessons that you're going, I hopefully, hopefully you'll be wanting to learn in the future. Um, and I think in the long run, it's definitely going to benefit all of them. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, the time did cut into what I would be doing otherwise. Yeah, but so what? It's a small period. You know, it's a small moment. And, you know, I mean, like anything, you make room for it. Um, time management skills. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think uh, Marie, you know, my wife, so, some of you known her. You've talked to her a few times. She's been so supportive and just nothing but supportive. In fact, I would not have gone to Red Pill. I, when you first announced Red Pill, Hartford, Connecticut, did not even, it wasn't even my radar to think that of actually going. You know what I mean? I just thought, oh, you know, that'd be cool to go. But, um, you know, it, I, there wasn't even a but. There wasn't even a, a but it's a shame I can't go. I, it wasn't even that far on my radar. But, you know, she said, well, why don't you go? <laughs> and I thought, well, I guess I could. And, you know, um, it just seemed a bit extreme to at the time because you started announcing it early days and the flow of autonomy really wasn't, was just getting started. And then of course it didn't take long to realize how important this would be to make the effort to get up. Okay. So that goes on a little bit and I have a couple more clips like that, but I figured, Hey, you know, we got the real Chris McMillan right here. We're doing it live. So, Chris, what is that? What's autonomy for people that might be watching this that are like, what are the hell are these guys talking about? Is it some online cult? What's going on here? We've mentioned it on the show. So, yeah. What, well, what in a nutshell, about? autonomy is everything that people need to learn to uh, become more independent. Life skills that are not taught in high school or in university, at least not stressed at how important they can be um, I'm talking about um, the ability to for anyone to hone in on their to reach their true potential, whatever they're interested in um, to survive in, and make money for themselves skills to to become more independent this does the name autonomy so basically it's a business class <laughs> I would say business life skills course. Uh, but these are the life skills that are probably the most important life skills anyone would need. And you didn't get them. And you did not get them. You did. If you went to college and high school, you, they were not stressed enough how important they are. So that basically sums it up. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll allow Michael, uh, if you want to chime in on that too, because he's newer as am I to autonomy and I can I've gone and talked about it a little bit already on this channel. So what's your perspective? I, I know that you've had some, you know, kind of like fast moving current since you've stepped in. So, so what's been going on with you? Hey Tyler, I, I appreciate the way you're, you're running this man, because I really, I really like the way that you're inviting people in to have this discussion and certainly the way you've set it up here. I, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to, Use some of your information, but I'm I'm really loving what you're doing. So, I want to point that out. 
But uh, in regard to autonomy, I would say one of the things that you guys mentioned, culture of excellence, that I think is one of the most important things that, uh, that you know, in the outside world, we've got a culture of decay and, you know, depravity. And, you know, that, that wears on everybody. And it's unfortunate that it, it has bled into almost everything. But having a, a, a culture that's the opposite of that, and an opportunity to, to be involved in a culture like that, I think is, is certainly something that people should take as an opportunity because it is so much of, uh, of like what our mindset gets, uh, gets uh, you know, really run down on is, is the negativity and stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And we just assume that that's, you know, life is hard and, and we just, you just got to deal with all the kind of baloney. But the reality is you don't really have to deal with any of that baloney when you have people that you trust and, and people that are, you know, constantly trying to learn and trying to help you. I mean, it, it's just really amazing to me how much help I've got in this, this is few weeks that I've been involved here. It's been such a tremendous difference. And it's certainly something that I have always tried to strive for and all the things that I've done, uh, you know, is just to try and create that kind of environment where we're trying to help each other out. Certainly in my experience in construction, and even in the military, you know, I always wanted to like build that esprit de corps of, you know, the morale of the unit to try and help each other. But, uh, you know, I always considered that, you know, in opposition to the regular world, you know, that we would just have to help each other, but we couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't expect that for the rest of the world. But that is something that I, I'm really changing my point of view on that, yeah, man, this, this could be something completely different. And, you know, there's a book that I really love that uh, uh, I got a recommendation from uh, uh, Larkin Rose. It's one of his top three books is the discovery of freedom. And uh, in reading that, um, actually, uh, Ed Bugos is actually the guy that suggested uh, to read it. But uh, reading, <laughs> reading that book, I think really opened my eyes widely to this idea that, you know, there's, there's this culture that happens. And when it happens, it's, like an explosion it's like magic and it's only happened in a few occasions in the entire history of the world as we know it and so you know freedom is not something that you can take uh, easily it's something that is a responsibility that we've got to uh, care for because you know if we lose it it could be another couple thousand years before someone figures it out again and uh, you know it has it has made a big impact in the world and changed the world in such a way, but they're trying to shut that door and get rid of it. And so yeah, wasn't weren't they also? Go ahead. No, so say, weren't they trying to uh, book burn Little House on the Prairie at one point? Did you guys hear something about that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. No, no, there's a story out there. Um, because as you know, this is Discovery of Freedom was written by Rose Wilder Lane, who is the daughter of Laura Ingalls Wilder, who's the author of 
the Little House on the Prairie series. Um, my daughter just read um, Little House in the Big Woods, and now she we've just ordered it. She wants the next book, Little House on the Prairie. Um, so Rose Wilder Lane obviously got her ideas of freedom and liberty from Laura Ingalls Wilder, so it makes sense that they're trying to book burn it. I, yeah. I'd have to look into that, but I'm sure last year they there was an attempt, or maybe they did it, to take the books out of the school's libraries might be worth looking into in the future. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting book. It's written during World War II, and uh, you know her perspective is 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 quite a bit different than you know your perspective today. I think most Americans expect uh, perspective, and you know I think in a large part what she feared would you know wouldn't happen has happened. To a large degree, and so she's point. I think some of that book, she points out some of the things that could go wrong, and uh, you know they have. And that's that's that was another wake up for me. I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the a major you know a major book for me that was the straw on the camel's back was written by Larkin Rose, the most dangerous superstition. Now his influence was, I believe this book um i'm not sure how factual that is um but that's where he that's not his name i mean and that's where he gets the name rose in his name um but that book i somehow got a hold of it just after about the time i moved back from texas and that was that was my biggest aha moment i knew things were wrong i was all over the place though when it came to the alternative media i was only in the alternative media i knew not to trust the mainstream media but there were some things there was contradictions here and there and i didn't you know things didn't make and there was something i was missing and then i read that book and that's it, it, it i said that nobody's that's it that is what in that was the <laughs> everything just came together for me after reading the most dangerous superstition. It all made sense and it's helped a lot of things make sense from there on out. And now honestly, you know, I'll never see the world the same again. <laughs> once you, uh, once you take on that, that book. It's a good book. I, I like the most dangerous superstition um, for what it provides. I think it helps really kind of solidify the viewpoint um, that Larkin is putting forward. Um, I do, I do, you know, to fault Larkin a little bit and be a little bit critical, which I tend to do with everyone, is that I, I wish his uh, whole presentation would kind of evolve over the years. Now people would say, what do you mean? He's doing the mirror and the candles in the dark. But what I mean is the, the sophistication of the um, philosophy and putting it forth has not changed much it's kind of stayed in the same realm of what was popular with the book and so that makes me a little skeptical you know because i feel like the over 10 year period that things should evolve a little bit and the and it hasn't much and now again this is my opinion i'm not saying like what i'm saying is a concrete thing but just just to throw it out there i have the book it's probably on that shelf right there i've read it I like bark and rose to an extent, um, but I feel like he is sort of just kind of living off that one hit. Uh, not, not that that's a bad thing, but I personally find holes in the argument. And that's what I mean is I could pick holes in a lot of his points. And I feel like he's aware of that and should have evolved beyond that and hasn't. But, um, you know, not to 
not to distract from what was being said there and the um, the weight of it for your personal journey and uh, the other book that you mentioned, I'm going to have to look into that. I have not read that book and I've, I'm familiar with Ed Bugos uh, and, and even his writing is, I like, I like what he writes in his financial writings and stuff. So if he recommends it and you two guys recommend it, that's good enough for me. I took a note, but it's always funny because this is recorded. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Unless you want wa- to watch the whole replay. Where was that? Where was that? <laughs> you better write yeah. it down now. <laughs> That's right. So on the screen here, I'm going to share my screen, which again, the people on Zoom are not going to see. But what it, what it is, is your website, Chris. We talked about it earlier, and uh, right now it's being shared on the screen. So while I kind of scroll through here and give people a preview of what you got going on, I wanted to see if you could give us some ideas for what you have going on in the future. We recently, you and I went to Red Pill, uh, and I know that you may or may not be able to make it to the next Red Pill, but what else do you have slated in the future or some of the stuff that you've done recently that people should be aware of? Well, at the moment, um, I'm pretty much back in the lessons being taught at autonomy, although I haven't been that active in in catching the lectures or the Q and a live, but um, I'm working on skills in affiliate marketing, copywriting, video editing never ends. Um, I've only just two days ago, finally got a Patreon page. I figured out how to attach it to truthconduit.com. I thought it was just a simple question of copy and paste. It's not, you've got to do the short code took me a while to figure that out and then on patreon i had to decide how i wanted to go about doing it i mean i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing you know just you know making or you know making mistakes moving forward constantly improving um i want to eventually get everything over to bit shoot you know i don't like youtube i don't trust youtube i'm kind of all over the place as far as the original source um, I've been putting my videos up on um, the Autonomy channel, and I've also I do have a Truth Conduit um, YouTube channel, but I'm not. I've only got one video up there. Everything else is on the Autonomy channel. You know, I one foot in, one foot out. So these are all areas that I'm working to improve on, and um, just trying to keep reaching out to people and hopefully uh, people talk to me. There's um, two or three people that you know said, "Yeah, let's do it. We just need to arrange some things going on." Um, I missed, it's my fault, um, I missed Kevin Cole last week. We were going to have a little chat, um, but I was having a, I was in a bad way at the time and I had to postpone that, but hopefully I'll get Kevin on. We'll have a nice chat, talk about what he does. Again, his, and he's an example of what I go for. You know, if anyone wants to learn the real hardcore history that you were not taught in college, uh, Kevin Cole's your man. He's a hardcore forensic historian. Um, he's one example of people that, um, I want to talk to and I'm, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm debating on getting, it's just, um, getting a few season two, you know, the way I did the season one interviews, you know, just like the integration exercise, but record it with season two people. I would like to get that going, but I don't want to, because again, it's time consuming that but i do want to i do like to create a profile because i think what i've done with season one students is i've created a good slice of what's going on in autonomy people say someone's interested what's this autonomy class is about they can go to my website and they look at they can look at the autonomy vault and bam there's what about 20 interviews of season one people that i have interviewed there it's all there um 
and I'll it, share that on the screen while you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only season two person I've talked to is, um, I guess, Susan and, and yourself. You know, so I feel like I need to. And several season two people have reached out to me. I want to make more of an effort to um, do integration exercises with the season two people because it's an amazing group of people going on yourself. You know, Michael are two shining examples of um, it's just, it's such an interesting crowd. So that's, what's going on. Make more of an effort with the season two people. Um, and you mentioned red pill. Yeah. I, uh, from what I understand, it's confirmed red pill expo 2020 is going to happen in, do you remember J. Edward Griffin when we were talking to him there, um, he said it may be on Jekyll Island. Well, you know, little bird talking out there. Word is it's confirmed. So t- June 2020, Red Pill Expo, Jekyll Island, Georgia. How cool will that be? It w- will definitely be going. Definitely plan on going. So that is something to look forward to. Um, and that's it. Improving my skills, pushing forward. And the biggest challenge all of us face, every one of us, is juggling these skills that we're improving on in autonomy you know i've got my website going because i'm trying to uh create content that people can use as a study guide especially people who are going through the waking up process that's what i'm trying to do and then we've got real life you know we've got jobs we've got to work for fiat money you know these skills we're working on eventually do pay off and they will pay off. They are paying off for a lot of people in autonomy already. Um, so, but you know, you, you've got to do them. You've got to work for free for a long time before you can start cashing in. So, you know, just keep working on these skills, but at the same time, time management, man, you know, uh, you know, we've got to get out there and go to work and, you know, some of us are stuck in a cubicle. Some of us are, <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's yeah. uh, but I think most autonomizers are optimistic, despite all this. Yep, exactly. I I hear you, man. The struggle is real. And uh, Tim Flynn, earlier you came on. You were unmuted. I muted you because there was some, sounded like some background noise. Uh, but feel free to jump in. I see that you're there listening, as well as anybody else at this point in the interview. Chris and I are, you know, just going to kind of tumble into a conversation here. And uh, at any point, things could get wrapped up or uh, continue on, depending on what people want to talk about. Um, I really appreciate Chris coming on. Go ahead. No, sorry. Is that JH? Is that Jim Hood? Um, That's someone else who I'm going to speak to, hopefully this week or the next. Yeah. Well, Jim Jim Hood has got his course, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's got his course, Test Drive Your Future. He's doing an amazing thing. He's an example of someone who's taken the skills and autonomy and are just going with it. So um, I definitely want to talk to Jim Hood and get everything that his course is about out there to the world because he's providing. Oh, <laughs> that's Joshua Hale. In any case, I'm still relevant to Jim Hood. Um, you know, things that the, what Jim Hood is offering is an alternative for high school kids to actual high school. And here's another amazing guy, our, our, our shining leader, uh, Joshua Hale in the house. <laughs> so yeah, JH. So yeah, everybody are, they're, they're all taking their, the skills they've learned in autonomy and are just running with it. And it looks like Joshua's out walking around on his property there. I figured yeah. it was Joshua. If you're, if you're out walking around, you know, he's probably just getting the live preview of the show before this 
Well, it's hitting the airwaves right now too. So there's really no benefit to joining this Zoom call other than to see a screw up or, hey, yeah, there you are. <laughs> Why don't you say I want, hi? I wanted, I wanted the non-delayed version. So I jumped in here. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm up on the ladder doing my uh, holiday lights. I don't think oh. anyone's ever done this on a podcast before. I think you're right. Yeah, that's great. That's I not like ice up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just well, be careful man it's still light where you are uh, yeah yeah i forget what it's 610 here in in texas it's dark it's completely black outside you got what yeah it's fading quickly so i'm trying to finish my uh the last string of lights before uh before nightfall and I mean, then, uh, Joshua Hale, it's because of your ideas, you know, that this, the, the, all of the tech ideas with discord, everything that put autonomy together makes it what it is today is because of you, because of Joshua Hale there in mm-hmm. the house live in person and the things that you have done moving forward with your life. I mean, you started off working with social media and now things are just escalating for you at full momentum, you know, you're from the skills you've learned from autonomy, you're doing it, you know, you're doing it. Yeah, we are doing it. It's, it's funny. My, the last project that, uh, I created, uh, I created it with Kara and it was community based and we had this like awesome infrastructure, except there was no community. Like we couldn't get, uh, uh, any people behind us. And so we, we basically like dissolved it because, community is key like you guys keep me going i'm excited for each new uh, meeting that i have each new tech tuesday that we got going on all the problems that arise and and uh the solutions that magically appear uh so it's definitely a joint endeavor and the the meetup you and joseph started um you guys is that still going on (laughs) yeah we we went last week and nobody showed up. So it's not that bad because we get a chance to have dinner together and catch up. But then uh, we decided to go troll the local uh, Democratic debate at a bar nearby. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, I, I remember my first impression of Joshua. We, nobody knew each other in meet and greet. And then we found out these guys met. They, uh, they met up in person they realized they were kind of in the same area and then they realized they literally lived right next to each other you know small world definitely in the pacific northwest has got a growing number of autonomizers as well as down in texas um got quite a few in my area as well Uh, it's not hard for us to have a face-to-face meetup so yeah what about you tyler you got anybody near you in autonomy well, I feel like I need to get out and clean the leaves out of my gutter and put the Christmas lights up now. I'm having like anxiety now because <laughs> Joshua is like doing a podcast and working at the same time, which is really yeah. cool. That's I'm almost thinking like we need to do this Monday night. You know, we'll just start multi-streaming to various people's YouTube channels and having roundtable discussions because I don't think I don't think there's anything going on Monday night in autonomy. I'll have to double check. I could be totally wrong and like saying that and there's totally something going on but i forgot sky's the limit you know the sky's the limit that's the brilliance of everything you know what if there's an idea we can uh, go with it we can develop it normally monday nights now it has oh, a language. 
Yeah, right. yeah, we've been. I, I, it's, I haven't, I haven't spoken to Federico in a while, but we were doing that. But that we were doing that early with Dennis and myself. Um, we've only done that a few times. Um, I was thinking about this week, trying to get that momentum going um, because we can actually hop on and do that anytime if I can catch him once he gets home. Um, you know, Federico is. He's. I don't know if you know, Michael. Federico's in Mexico City. And he has a brick and mortar business that he does in Mexico City. So, and he's been quite, you know, in season one, he was quite active and he was at Red Pill with us. Um, Mexico City's not as far as Amsterdam or Hawaii, but just about pretty far that people came from the Red Pill Expo to Hartford. So, yeah, I need to get on the horn with him and get that going because my Spanish is really just get going downhill man you you know you don't use it you you, you lose it yeah well to uh to just kind of chime in with your invisible man story or how that how you began your story in regard to uh, your uh, experience with spain i'm kind of in that mode myself you know i'm the invisible man in, in mexico and so uh i try and keep a low profile to some degree uh, but uh, man i i am just I am in so much in love with this community and, and you know, everything that uh, you mentioned and everything that everybody is doing. You know, that's another thing that I, I really, I guess I would comment on is, you know, feeling your own uniqueness, I think, is, is something that I'm really starting to get comfortable with this group as quickly as uh, as I've, uh, you know, been involved here. I. I I see how much value you guys bring, but it, it really makes me feel uh, comfortable not knowing all the stuff that you guys know and just being like, oh, thank God somebody knows it and I don't have to try and figure out how to do that. There's somebody else there that can do that. That's another a, a real advantage I think that uh, our community is starting to develop is is that level of expertise in the particular areas as I get to know who can do what it's like, Oh, thank God. I'll just, I'll just send that to them. You know, and I'm not going to have to do it. I, I would, I would love to do my own show, you know, from here in Acapulco, I, I do a thing, you know, that's the Anarchapulco 24, seven, 365 community. And, uh, you know, because, there was nobody else doing it. I just figured, well, I got to do it. You know, somebody's got to do it. And uh, I, I'm not the guy to be doing it, honestly. But uh, being that, uh, you know, somebody's got to do it, I'm doing it. And uh, that's It's a tough job, man, I, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah, and that's another thing that I, I'm really encouraged by with this group is, and I, I want to definitely make a distinction when it comes to the culture of excellence Culture of excellence doesn't mean it's done perfectly. It means it's done and then it's improved upon. And, and that's uh, something that I see here as well is that everybody, you know, may not do it perfectly, but they're doing it and they're improving. And that's awesome in my book. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to pull that quote out. Of <laughs> Culture of excellence doesn't mean it's done perfectly. It means it's done and then you improve upon it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, not not 100% of the time, right? But a lot of the time, that's true. And you do need to just begin. That's the next step. It's not this, all these other things you're focusing on. Sometimes it's like the next step is begin that thing and do it. Do it live, right? 
I, I don't yep. think that's true for everything. Absolutely. For a person like me, that's true. Like that's a lot of the time that's the answer because for me, you know, I'm not the sapphire type. So I'm the more analytical, hesitate. So this is actually very uncomfortable for me, right? That's why we're, that's why I'm doing this to, uh, you know, ignite the, uh, I'll, I'll say ignite the, uh, Complexity. The complexity. So, yeah. Ignite the complexity. <laughs> so, I, just, I just added two Richardums together. Ignite <laughs> your complexity. You know, sometimes that's what it takes. Really, you just have to jump in, and ignite is a good word. You you have to dive in when you don't know how to do something. Sometimes, and like you're doing, Michael, like you said, well, it's not. I'm not the right guy for this job, but since he's not here right now, like I guess I am. You know, and a lot of the time in in entrepreneurship, that's that's ex- every day, right? Like you're there's nobody there to do that. And so I have to do it. Now, the next level of that should be delegation, automation, systemization. And again, that's some of the tools that Richard talks about in the course. Um, But absolutely, that's one of the things I struggle with is like, I can get the initial ball rolling. um, But then jumping up to managing the thing or being the business owner and not the technician inside of it doing the daily you know, operating of the machinery. I, but that's, I guess, what I'm more comfortable doing. So I have yeah, to put Tyler, you did a fantastic job at Red Pill. You know, you, the, the videos turned out, as far as I'm concerned, they turned out amazing, much better than I expected. I didn't really have any expectations, but when I first saw the interviews, you know, with, that we did with Robert Scott Bell and G. Edward Griffin, I was like, whoa, you know, it was pretty good, man. I mean, you've got, you had a great setup there. It was uh, perfectly done, you know, professional yeah. and we looked professional you had the setup out there all I, you know I, I got the guys out and they knew we were serious you know we had the the clip microphone <laughs> the three cameras man yeah well and that was the first time i've used that setup in that way so none of that was practiced really i mean i had done some basic practicing but and it wasn't perfect and so maybe from the outside some people might watch one of those videos and never really think about any of that and that that is kind of the goal sometimes is with the production you don't really want them to think about it's the information that you're trying to get across right but if it looks really good and sounds really good that's a plus but you know i was just talking yesterday on a live stream about my first interview i did in this room actually right here with somebody and i i didn't do it right it didn't turn out the way it probably should have but it's still posted on my YouTube channel. And like Michael said, like we did it. it that was like maybe 2016, end of 2016. And uh, I've only just tried to kind of continually get better since then. I've never said this has to be perfect or it's not going to be posted. You know, and maybe, maybe that's a mistake in some cases, but um, I think it's kind of better to, and like you were saying, Chris, like with all that infrastructure that you're laying down with what you're starting on right now, and feeling overwhelmed with like, well, now it's Patreon and BitChute and YouTube and I got all these platforms and my website and my emails. And, I, you know, I think, A, I'm not perfect at any of that stuff, but I, I think you'll get more used to that flow of what works for you. And I think you'll find what to focus on and what not to. And over time, like all those spinning plates will start to spin, you know, almost autonomously. And uh, then you'll just be kind of dropping things in when, where they need to go in with the content. Um, I know it can feel overwhelming. All I could say is, you know, just stick with it. And uh, like Michael was saying, I think that's great advice too, is like sometimes it just needs to get done. Like this stream is done, right? And that's a big part of setting it all up in OBS so we can just have it done and posted somewhere. It's posted on YouTube. It'll be up there. It'll be on the Facebook. And then when I get time this week, later after publishing Do It Live and taking care of a bunch of other things that need to be done, 
then I'll go back and I'll organize it on my website and plug some things and in. And Tyler, for anyone listening who may not know, what is Do It Live? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> Do It Live. We t- I talked live. about it yesterday um, on my show. I shared a little bit about it. But it's the Do It Live podcast is a recap of autonomy, uh, what's been going on during the week, and trying to highlight some of the more um, interesting things. But we never can really cover it all. But it gives people a viewpoint I didn't have of autonomy. I had a lot of the interviews you had done that I watched. Um, But this gives people kind of highlights of what's happening weekly. And so for people, I think this is going to help for people on the fence that are like, what is this? Why is it so expensive? What's even, why is that worth it? It doesn't look worth it on this landing page. They, they can go watch that and, and learn about the things that aren't advertised. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that's not advertised. And so I'm excited to see how, how that podcast might help grow autonomy. Yeah. I mean, help me out here, but look, um, there are guest speakers there are sessions on nonviolent communication nvc there are life coaches um geopolitics uh, when history when we do uh, the history connected the richard does his history connected show um and then what's he doing now the smart reads is a regular thing there's a regular hangout with brett vanott in autonomy other things that are covered marketing copywriting sales um, video editing what am I leaving out? I mean, you name it. There's something for everybody and um, the art of sales. <laughs> yeah. Time management just goes right. on. Yeah, it does go on. And also, you know, I really appreciate the people that I get to work with. And I, and also if you do end up working with some of these people, there's some of the best people I think that you'd be able to work with and including Richard Grove himself, who, not only is he going to help, uh, you know, help your learning, help your growth, help you kind of discover maybe an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial side of yourself that you haven't really thought about. If you've uh, gone through all Richard's other work, it's related, but it's not exactly related, right, to like the Peace Revolution podcast or something. Um, so, but to be able for me to to be uh, familiar with Richard's work for over a decade up to this point. And then be sitting there with the opportunity to work alongside, work with the people that he communicates with, have the students that he's kind of curated in this self-selected group that's come together. It's not just like regular people. And I think people from the outside are like, what is this cult? You know, (laughs) like, what the hell? I I mean, I I just can't imagine what it does sound like from the outside. I'm not big on like even the stuff that's coming out of my mouth right now. This isn't typical. Tyler to say and like oh my god this thing that I'm doing everybody needs to check it out well you could argue that it's uh, unofficially behind the scenes it does become kind of a think tank because I mean look at for example um, the question that Ernie Hancock proposed to autonomy a few weeks ago Um, I don't know if we've come to a conclusion I say we I haven't done anything to look into it myself but I know there was a lot of interest where does the occupancy permit come from what are its origins? So these are the kind of questions that are constantly being tackled apart from everything else. So, you know, we keep a close eye on the current geopolitical situation of things going on. And at the same time, we keep it real. You know, we like to have a laugh. Um, you know, we like Star Wars. We talk about Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah, as we say in Spanish, aire todo in autonomy. 
You got the lightsaber prop for this moment, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, there we go. Check it out. It's a good time to pull it out. Listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> this is a Darth Maul lightsaber. I've had it for years, but it's pretty cool. When it's dark, it lights up. It's really, and it responds to the hits. See? Listen. Huh? How cool is that? So, yeah, keep it real. That's a lesson that Richard, again, um, reiterates all the time in autonomy. Keep it real. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's important to look at the things that we're looking at, like you said, in, in Smart Reads or History Connected, those uh, series that Richard has restarted, relaunched recently. And it's a reminder for me all the time, constantly, that it's like you were saying earlier, Chris, like, yeah, there's these things that I'm building and developing now. And you always have to keep that in perspective with the commitments that you currently have on the table that have to be done, right? But then there's also the research and the things that you need to understand about the world to understand what's going on. And that is a whole lifetime commitment. That's not just something you do willy nilly, you know, on a Saturday afternoon like that, that in itself the commitment to discovering truth or being a truth seeker or personal development, constantly improving. These are all commitments that are lifetime. Like, so in addition to all those other things, yeah, we have to, you know, look back and we have to study uh, the problem. We have to study the enemy. We have to study the economic situations. We have to keep an, a pulse. We have to keep an eye on these things, right? We don't want to be drowning in the sludge and living in sewage. Um, as uh, Jay Parker says, you know, you don't want to live and you don't want to drink the sewage, basically, like you study it. Um, but they're also we need to, you know, have some uh, well being and health, you know, men health awareness of our uh, body yeah. and mental mental health as well. well a, a major first step is recognizing the problem with yourself. And that's how it all starts is recognizing um, the education system. Most of us went through public schooling and to recognize the harm that it actually did. It created a scarcity mentality. It created learned helplessness, not to mention um, the literal brainwashing of, um, anyway, you know, Pledge of Allegiance, things like that. Uh, <laughs> Finding, recognizing hey, the problem. Are you telling me that 15,000 hours was used for something more than just learning about history and economics and things? Why yes, Tar Why, yes, Tyler. Um, allow me to <laughs> break it to you. <laughs> Maybe that's the next episode. So that's yeah, a good thing yeah. about this. You know, we, the, yeah, go ahead, Michael. You know, one of the other things I think is, uh, and I, I think this might touch on something you said a little bit earlier about, you know, kind of it being a cult or something like that. One of the things that I think is important in this group is, you know, people are open-minded and willing to, uh, you know, examine people's evidence and their beliefs and stuff and really give you a little bit of time to expound on what your beliefs are and, you know, what what is your background and your experience? This is another area that I, I just, I've witnessed on a couple different occasions, listening to people discuss something that would probably be an emotional driven, you know, trigger fest in most places. And it is something where I, 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 I was really astounded by the, 
the level of self-discipline that both sides demonstrated when they were talking about things that they didn't view in the same way. And so, you know, I don't know how you could call that a cult, but uh, it is a... (laughs) It is an experience that I think most people would find, you know, extremely foreign coming from a regular society and and getting into, but it's one in which I think it's almost like an accountability kind of check in which, you know, like if I'm going to bring my particular belief, I better have some damn good evidence about what I'm believing. And it really makes it, it it puts the, uh, you know, the work upon me. To, to really, you know, check my own belief and, and find, you know, find out what my evidence is. And to, to a large degree, that's just another, uh, you know, a whole nother level to the, to the, that culture of excellence that I've been talking about and you've talked about. It's not and easy. Uh, um, it takes practice. And in fact, we've got a room for just what you're talking about, the real speak room where, you know, I'm ashamed to admit I haven't used it nearly as much as I would like, but that's where we take hard-hitting issues and get in there and then just work it out. Um, the Socratic method, just keep asking questions till it boils down to whatever's left um, and becoming a listener. Uh, you know, the biggest, um, what you're talking about, I think uh, a lot of autonomizers um, talking about a lot of controversial issues with their own families has been one of the hardest points um that that's the big from what i've heard um you know trying to make their families understand what they're going through and trying to save in some cases save their families from imminent harm that the autonomizer can see coming but you know and you can't blame people it's so hard it's a hard it's a hard um shell to snap out of well, Chris, you mentioned it. You mentioned it early in the in the interview. There, you were talking about some of these things are life and death issues. You know, when people are uh, in the system and they're you know uh, taking pharmaceutical you know prescriptions, and and I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways that they can lead people to you know real disaster in their life. I mean, I uh, I. You know, recently had a situation. Uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, had a had a breakdown, and essentially we had to go to, uh, you know, uh, a psychologist, and uh, you know they prescribed her a bunch of medication. And we went through this whole circumstance of, you know, I I don't know anything better than that, so I guess I'm just going to have to do that. But then, as I started to you know gather the information about it, and uh, you know it actually is. A, kind of led to the diet thing as well. But, you know, we ended up getting her off the medication and getting her onto a different diet. And man, I I tell you, over a period of just a few, like less than a month, really, it it was the thing that changed. If you ever get a chance, you might find um, my interview with Barbie Rivera very interesting. She started a school in Florida and even though it was a homeschooling school, she, I, I can't she it was officially a school once she became officially recognized as an education center. Big Pharma um, started approaching her and literally just offering her a lot of money just to, just to, there was tears, you know, you give us 
just give us a name, bam, she would get a certain amount of money. And then, oh, if you give us an address she, and, and to sit down with the parents and actually get the kid on drugs, the big pharma would give her an incentive of $5,000. And she's one, the only teacher as far as she knows and as far as, I don't know, um, I asked her, I said, was there anyone else who hasn't sold out? And she said, as far as she knew, she was the only one. And, and it cost her, you know, she's in her school is in a shopping center. It doesn't have fancy this fancy that, but she would not take the money. She refused to take the money. So yeah. 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 yeah um, well, I mean, fascinating you know, I, interview about how big pharma approaches the education, um, the schools and just, you know, because that just touches on that is just a tip of the iceberg of, a lot oh, of things yeah. that are going on. Yeah, well, and, I mean, like the, the you know the doctors when it comes to like the vaccinations and stuff like that, and you know, essentially having the kind of the, uh, the overall their you know their clientele so many a percentage of their clients using vaccines, and if they don't, they don't get their bonuses, and their bonuses could be you know six figure bonuses, and yeah. you know, but. But that could mean somebody's life, you know, and that's that's something that, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, like really thinking about what it is that your occupation is doing, you know, it, the, you know, the, the, this is something that you got to have critical thinking, you know, and so much of our, uh, you know, society has been just take the money and run kind of an attitude. And yeah, don't ask questions about anybody else. Yeah, we're taught in school to obey and not to ask questions. Right. And they legally, they can't be held accountable. You know, that's so disgusting that even if you do pursue some kind of justice for that, no, there's no accountability. And, and once you do find the end of that road, it's a federal court set up with taxpayer dollars to pay out the people that can make that long of a journey and basically scientifically prove it to these people that their child was injured and then you know naysayers just say well you know these parents don't know what they're talking about even though there's countless mothers and fathers who said no day one fine after vaccine totally not fine what's going on here and i'm not saying day one of birth i'm saying you know child's three years old they're perfectly fine suddenly one of these vaccinations causes brain inflammation or you know whatever else uh, goes on with paralysis. Some of these vaccines cause outright paralysis. So it depends on the vaccine. And I don't mean to make a blanket statement. And I kind of jump in midstream to what you guys were saying. And uh, we've, t we've touched on that a little bit on my show. It's definitely further down the road stuff to go more in depth. I have a whole playlist. And now that I'm mentioning, mentioning that here, uh, set up with, because I, I would get into these conversations with people and constantly get the you know, well, there's no doctors talking about that, or there's no, there's no evidence out there. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence, like you're just not looking. So I compiled like a playlist and, and the YouTube playlist is not where you should study and learn about these things. Um, but it's a place to say, well, here's all the doctors and scientists that you're talking, asking me about, because they've made documentaries and they interview, they take their time to sit down and talk about and risk their lives to put this information out there. And then that person won't watch the videos and just tells me that I'm still wrong. You know, that's, it's the yeah. most bizarre thing. Um, that is, that is one of those, one of those I mean, areas that uh, is the most you know, frustrating. This is it. This yeah. is the book. 
Over the course of one year, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services engaged in a written debate with the Informed Consent Action Network regarding the safety of vaccines. This book contains all of the unedited correspondence, which represents the most thorough discussion on vaccine safety in history. Um, one thing I took away from Del Bigtree's presentation at, uh, in Hartford was go to the CDC's own website, and there it is. You, you go to the right link in the page on their own website. There's never been a double-blind placebo test for almost – there's only a few of the vaccines have actually done it. So anyone who claims, oh, the science right. says so, well, <laughs> the, yeah, um, actually, I think um, the scientific method is very important. And they don't follow it. They, <laughs> they, they, do not, they do not follow the scientific method. And I thought that, I thought, you know, when I learned that, actually, I thought that's the end of the argument right there. So if someone's pressuring me, you know, I say, well, I, I would be interested. I would love to, but, you know, make sure it's just been tested through the proper scientific method procedures. They have not. They haven't done it. They haven't done it. Yeah, and that's, it's unfortunate that that's, you know, a lot of uh, professions these days are kind of in that same boat where they're, you know, they've been led astray. And it's the fact that the, the people involved are allowed to, you know, blind themselves with their pride and, in, in, you know, behind their degrees and, and certifications and stuff. And, and but it, 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 it doesn't mean anything. It just means that they, you know, that schooling is just, they learned how to take orders, and that's not enough. You know, we need critical thinkers, and that means we need critical thinkers in every area of everything that's going on in the world these days because there's not a whole lot of them. And, man, we need some more. Yeah, it's a bizarre thing to watch, um, kind of the denial of things that are right in your face. It's not like... He's not a, like at this point, we're not even asking that people dig that far. So I've not, you know, given up. I'm, I just don't really talk about that with people because at this point and moving forward, I feel like the information on that particular topic, not with all topics that maybe people should be aware of, but with vaccines in particular, I feel like the floodgates are starting to kind of open. I feel like even though people are hardening and digging in their heels, that it will become at one point undeniable. I hope, and uh, you know, not that I, not that I wish the amount of pain and suffering that's going to have to go on for that message to really finally uh, come through. But it's like people, it's you know, when you start asking questions like this, guys, it's pretty dangerous because when you start really uncovering the why of why this is, it's not about information. Was what I found out. It's not about delivering the information in a particular way, or maybe they just need to hear it from this teacher. Maybe if, maybe if they find it from this person, once someone's sort of fully committed to the authoritarian top down model of even information and how things are uh, presented in their mind as reality or how, how they trick themselves into thinking that things that are clearly contradictory can just be okay. in like a pragmatic form of worldview. So it's like from the ground up in their being, they've decided to go in that direction. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying like screw them or, you know, so to hell with those people. I just feel like you can find more peace knowing that this information isn't for the masses, you know, and they're not oh. going to wake up. But, you know, there could be a massive consciousness shift and awakening in pockets is 
the way I more or less see it. But yeah, well said, oh, I, Tyler. Yeah, I learned a long time ago. Does you no good um, getting on social media websites trying to scream these things to people? Um, it does no good um, if if they if there's a any hint of curiosity on other people's parts, then maybe there's a thread you could elaborate on uh, to you know present people with information. But yeah, there's no point. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, good. good. Well, I think the, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the guy that comes from the street smarts kind of avenue. You know, I kind of made my way up my own. Uh, you know, I went into the military when I was 17 years old. I, I kind of lived, uh, uh, was born in Gary, Indiana when it was going through its hard times and so forth. So, Did you I, know the uh, Jacksons? I, I did actually get to meet Michael Jackson one time in front of the mayor's office in, in Gary, or the city hall in Gary, uh, when I was on a kind of a errand for a construction project. Who's that? Pull up at the same time. <laughs> what did you but, say, Tyler? Uh, did you just say who's that? Yeah, Michael Jackson is hometown, Jackson. Gary. Just kidding. Sorry. I know but, Tyler's uh, young, uh, but come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> but you know one of the things is uh you know if in a system that's run by the mafia you know the effective thing is as long as the mafia as long as they're getting their their take and essentially you're not creating any kind of a problem for them they really don't have a problem with you and in fact if you're doing something that kind of benefits them in a way and and for a large part a lot of the things that we do you know uh if we're keeping the the system running to some degree, we're, we're beneficial to the to the system, and and so in that regard, uh, I, I don't really think that that uh, we really have to worry about a lot of the stuff that I think a lot of people end up worrying about. Is that you know when we're in a marketplace, and and I think the even the mafia people really kind of understand this is that if you've got value, then you're worth something, you know. And so to a large degree, what we do is, is kind of the same thing as the mafia does. They kind of look at that as like a, a family. And when, when we have something for our family that's valuable, we deliver it to our family and we just, we just keep, you know, taking care of the things that are risk, you know? So if there's something out there that's a risk, whether it be a, the big bad guy that calls themselves government or something like that, you understand that there's a way to solve that problem. There's a, there is a way to get rid of that risk. And it, it probably isn't the official channels, but more than likely it can be taken care of. And that's, you know, we just got to always know that in the marketplace where there's, there's harm and there's value, knowing those things, knowing those things and being able to see those things clearly is how we solve all of our problems. And, uh, and there's just yeah, no it comes to down to the it. same thing, um, questioning everything and applying critical thinking without, you yeah. know, um, by you've got to separate the emotion and no. figure out, you know, I don't know. am I being lied to? That wasn't dogmatic enough for an anarchist living in Mexico. I want to hear more. <laughs> I need to hear more. You should. <laughs> so well, I... I you know, my big thing is is kind of creating a mer marketplace that uh, that you know real value can be determined, and when you do that, I think you can also find real harm can be determined as well. 
and both those things are valuable things to know. And once you know those things, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like you can be invisible, you know, you can be invisible to the system because you can create the circumstance where you just, you become beneficial to everybody, but you, you kind of create the, the rules that say, this is the way I'm going to do everything, you know? Right. To- I, I observed that to be true, like in my own life that, it's not that I, I think, I think that the language surrounding the non-aggression principle needs to be updated, kind of like I was saying with Larkin Rose's work and rhetoric, that I feel like it needs all an upgrade and a reboost and reinvigoration. And a lot of it, it's some of that philosophical worldview, even kind of what you were saying about markets, I tend to agree. And I think I picked up what you were laying down. But at the same time, you know, if we had more time, I would want to get, get into that further with you, because I think the way you phrased it, I was just totally joking about the being ideological or something or dogmatic because I thought it was uh, very well, it sounded like rehearsed, like something you'd talked about before. And then also it made sense to me why I didn't have a rejection, icky feeling about someone yelling at me about free markets and the non-aggression principle. So yeah, I think that's what needs to happen is the language needs an up, upgrade. And uh, there's, but going back to recognizing in my own life that if I attempt to help people and, and attempt to do unto others as I would like done unto me, and I'm not a narcissist or I, I'm not someone who wants to hurt myself, I, I'm dropping the word blanked out of my mind, the, some, a person who likes to hurt themselves. So for me, you know, I, I don't want other people to harm me either. And I recognize that the more that we live in harmony in that way, um, that people tend to be more free in in uh, communities, societies, civilizations with at least some basics like that. And then I think it needs to be a lot further um, into the responsibility side of things. I think there's a responsibility aspect of freedom that's almost more important than a lot of the things that people focus on. But Michael, I do want to thank you for um, bringing to the discussion today what you did and chiming in. it was a little, um, I was a little nervous how this would all go, just dropping an open link to a live stream into a, a group of like 200 plus people and just saying, come on in. But you you uh, were a very good guest to add to the conversation. And I think that in different ways, we'll try to do this again and repeat this process um, eventually on the Autonomy Students and Grads YouTube channel. So this wasn't me trying to hijack traffic into my YouTube or something like that. <coughs> my YouTube is a project that we're growing and it'll be, you know, done over time, but more of a tech check. Um, after my last interview, there were issues with, with, uh, the video being, being very choppy. This interview looks great. It looks like I'm going to be able to leave this up without having to do any post-production. And that's kind of the idea with this. So the, and the other thing is like with all these tools with OBS and zoom and voice meter banana, and then bringing this together into what everyone saw today here in this interview, that those skills can be delivered to the community. In fact, they already have been. Um, there's already many tutorials in the autonomy uh, production room and other places where we've described how to get this done on your side, but there are also projects being spun up where I may uh, host a Zoom meeting like this for other people and just mute my uh, video and I'll just be producing the show while other autonomizers start out on their journey with new podcasts. And so one of my goals with autonomy and not just autonomy, but the truth, freedom, 
movement slash whatever you want to call it is to help people overcome technical hurdles if they have them. And I don't, I know nobody likes to like have somebody overly help them and be like, Oh, well, let me show you how to do that. And like too much. But I like to present in a show like this, that if somebody has questions about how this all runs, they're free to reach out to me. And you know, there's nothing hidden here. All the stuff I do is free pretty much. I did pay for restream today to be able to restream to like a page on Facebook rather than my profile, but it was a cyber Monday deal. So it was like 50% off on the restream package. So I wait for times like that to do it because I didn't need to do it, but it was such a good deal that I'm going to now be able to stream to like, well, so Facebook says there's 9,000 people that like my page. Yeah. Like one, I'll get like one like per share <laughs> unless I, unless I pay them. That's how Facebook works, right? Like unless you pay them, nobody sees your stuff. Even and like, it's you. been, like I'll share stuff and my like percentage will go down and it's been at the same level for like a year now, even though it was like going skyrocketing and then just, just straight. Yeah. Like you said, like a mafia. Well, no, that's a business model. It's their business model. And I don't, I'm not going to hate on their business model while I'm on there and sit and say, well, Facebook, this Facebook, that. Yeah. We could go into the origins of Facebook and InQtel and the seed money and probably Zuckerberg's whole story is probably all bullshit is what I come to understand at this point. Just like everything else that we the get data told collection the that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's all probably way pre-planned before Zuckerberg was even a person. I, I agree, Tyler. I agree. DARPA. It's all DARPA. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's not DARPA like an ARPA before that conspiracy. And this book right here is a mainstream book, the Pentagon's brain by Annie Jacobson. I don't bring it up to say, here's all the esoteric knowledge you need to know about. I'm bringing it up as a mainstream example of that. What you just said is not some like far out thing. Like it's all military invented all these things. And Michael, I know you were in the military, but and I'm not saying any kind of negative or moral judgment at this point. I'm just saying our society and its tools are based on, you know, death, destruction and porno and gaming, you know, can't, can't <laughs> that's where all this stuff's coming from. <laughs> But we're using it for good, right? And and like I've been saying recently, hopefully that's just not totally naive of us to think like we're going to step out here and do this. Uh, we're going to use it for good. But I think that the floodgate, I think that there's people that try to run this shit that are psychopaths that overestimate themselves. And I do feel like cats have been left out of bags, you know. And, I hope you're uh, right. I think that, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a there's a there's a lot of things in regard to that that uh, we aren't really aware of. But I would tend to believe, you know, having the experience that I've had in the military as well as in the corporate world, that uh, there's a lot of things that people aren't keeping their eyes on. That for enlightened individuals that are that are critical thinkers, we can run circles around them. And I've always that was the reason that I left the corporate world was because it was so you know, stupid and archaic because they never really, they, they didn't have a good feedback channel to, to solve the easy problems, you know, and then we can solve, I mean, we're just demonstrating how we can solve so many problems and, and just create all kinds of new things. This, this, this little thing that we're doing right now is just the pinnacle of the beginning of that. And it's, it's going to be amazing, man. We're, we're going to do so many fun and exciting things. And, man, I, I'm just so thrilled that you guys are doing it. 
uh, Tyler, that you're putting this out here. I, I, I can certainly understand doing the, the little bitty show that I've done, how difficult this all is, and, and you're doing it like 10 times better than I am. So, uh, I mean, more power to you. And, and I, I'm really, I would invite all the people that are in autonomy to like what you just said in regard to, you know, just kind of giving people that avenue to kind of launch their uniqueness and, and what they can do. And you're providing that opportunity for them as well. And I'd invite, I'd invite all of them to, uh, to take advantage of that. And thank you. Um, yeah, at the moment, we're here doing it together. So that's cool. And Chris, what do you got to say to wrap up today? How can we close this out? I have things that I've got to go attend to tonight. I would like to continue the discussion on. Again, Michael, I really appreciate everything you had to say. And, and what you've been saying throughout the last couple of weeks um, is like when you said I was doing something 10 times, no, 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 you've got something that's 10 times, you know, what I've got. So there's nothing about it's Apple. It's, it's, it's balancing out with, with everybody that's contributing. And that's what we should do. We, we come in and we somehow, it all equals out once we're all coming with authenticity. So it doesn't matter you know, about a skill that somebody has versus a skill that somebody else has. And that's what I was talking about. It's just like laying, laying out the playing field or leveling it for certain things like, like Chris has done here for people to show them that like, Hey, you can do this too. And uh, here I bought this mic. I got it hooked up. I got my spit guard on. He has props surrounding his desk that he can pull out at any moment to bring on the show. I've seen him wear devil horns yeah, on the show. Got the Rancor monster here. How cool is that? eh? <laughs> for any return of the Jedi fans, he's always on hand. And yeah, I've got my my horns here as well. Yeah, see, uh, that's a good way to yeah, wrap yeah. up. Yeah. So I don't really have anything else to add other than we'll just um, you know plug in our websites. I mean, um, for autonomy, anyone who's curious, who's listening, it's um, is it uh, what's the website? <laughs> I always I have it, but autonomy info slash or just get autonomy dot info yeah yeah and yeah and i'm at truthconduit.com and yeah sign up check it out and and tyler you're at tylerbloyer.com that's not not too hard to remember <laughs> it sounds like french tyler Bloyer. yeah right i don't know it sounds more like a different European to me, but <laughs> Michael, uh, do you have anything you want to share? Drop out there for people to check out anything you got going on. Sorry to put you on the uh, spot. You know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for Anarchapoco. Come on down for that. I, I do Anarchapoco 24/7 365, which is essentially the community of people that uh, that stay down here and, and sometimes are down here and maybe they're just visiting sometimes. But anybody that kind of has that spirit, that is the autonomy spirit as well, that, that loves freedom and wants to make the world a better place, um, I'm, I'm for all those kind of people. And that's my community of people. And uh, I try and keep it together and, and uh, keep people you know, positive about the future because, man, freedom is really the fuel that we need to make the world a better place. And uh, it does require a lot of things. It's, it is a responsibility to be vigilant 
and to keep your eyes open and to understand that there's there's a lot of value out there that people are missing that um, that could make the difference and it is a matter of uh, you know getting people's eyes open and uh, encouraging them to do what they love and uh, you know and and that and stop fearing the system and fearing that you know they're they're going to take over the world because uh, um, you know fear is really the 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 tool that they use it's and you know that's what sh shuts us down in our mind and imprisons our mind and get beyond that and that's that's why do it live is so important that i'll i'll leave it there yeah. not just the show but do it live in life you know do it live folks message Amen. and i want to really thank chris mcmillan for providing us more insight with his work and his life and his family and coming on and doing this test run slash doing it live interview here on tylerblair.com um thank you michael for chiming in joshua hill for chiming in pam for coming on and doing it live with us here if i missed anybody i'm sorry and uh, we'll plan one of these again in the near future on highlight another autonomy student our graduate and uh like i said Eventually, this will probably be live streaming on autonomy, and I'll continue to do interviews myself, uh, bringing on interesting people. Uh, a lot of the people that we talked about today, I want to plan to bring on in the future. So thanks again for everyone uh, sticking around up to this point and uh, watching this interview. Feel free to give us feedback. You can email me at tyler at tylerbloyer.com. And with any questions or concerns, this will be posted on my website in a few days, and there'll be some resources and links with uh, the guest links in there as well. So again, thanks everyone for watching. Have a great evening. All right, thanks a lot, Tyler.